Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Okay, quick introduction here. This is the part of my conversation with Lily Elsner that focused on the path she took. So everything from high school up until she became head of strategy at Arcturus. Uh, no more details to add here and nothing else at the end. Just this excerpt from our fun conversation. Here we go again with Lily Elsner. So we're going to talk a little bit about your career, your background, and your job today, strategy. But let's start out with your background. Like, Tell us about your educational background. I know you studied biology and philosophy. What were you thinking yes. back then about where you might be now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you. So I was lucky enough to grow up in a pretty scientific household. So my parents, my dad, I was born right at the beginning of my dad's PhD and sort of grew up in an academic setting. Um, so very lucky in that sense to sort of be around great minds, really encouraged to enjoy um, learning and pursuing whatever I was interested in. And that, as a child, that was mostly life sciences, actually enabled by mostly the magic school bus, if I were to point to one influential character. Character, Miss Frizzle, um, to this <laughs> day, always reference. Yeah, how could you not? I mean, she's wonderful. I dressed up as her for Halloween. Um, yeah, I was really obsessed with this whole idea of um, sort of exploring the natural world and, and thinking about it in creative ways. So I was lucky enough to go to the South Carolina Governor's School for Science and Math for high school, which is a residential program um, in South Carolina for kids who are really interested in, in the life sciences and mathematics and computer science. So I sort of was brought up in this and steeped in the whole idea of STEM, which was pretty exceptional, um, especially for being from the rural South. So I uh, really, really enjoyed learning um, about the subject matter itself. And through sort of strange series of events, I ended up going to Wellesley uh, College for undergrad. So all women, um, very, very much an idea of, oh, if I'm going to go to a big state school, which my, both my parents went to UNC Chapel Hill, which I was also going to go to, um, and heard if you, they wanted me to rush a sorority. And I said, well, actually it would be more efficient to just go to an all-women school. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so strategy from an early age, I'm all about efficiency. Um, so yeah, Wellesley was an amazing experience. It was my first time living um, in the North. So that was already a cultural experience, but really an amazing opportunity to go through um, my journey first just gung-ho saying I'm all about biology I want to take every single course um, you know completely go all in but in the beauty of a liberal arts school we had distribution requirements um, and one of them was to take a course in philosophy or something within that genre and I realized that at the beginning of every science class I've ever had um, there's always a quote from Plato Aristotle Socrates and I was like honestly I don't really know who these guys are I know that they're they're the <laughs> ancient Greeks, but maybe I should learn a little bit more about this. So I you took didn't watch ancient Greek philosophy. Bill and Ted's Sorry? Excellent Adventure? Do you remember that? <laughs> 
<laughs> I do. I, I believe that was required viewing back, back all you for, for my, my dad. It is true. And I, I was like, gosh, why am I having to take this class? But I'm so glad I did because academically it was sort of one of those times where I just sat um, in this classroom and I realized this is this is what I think about all the time. Like this, this huge question of why and really interrogating um, how to live a good life and wh why are we here, all of these things, but how to do that in a really rigorous way, which so closely aligns to the scientific process. So all of this is a long way of saying that initially I thought I would sort of do the most good in the world. The best way I could do that was to be a physician. So I, like many um, motivated young people, decided to pursue medical school. Um, so I did all of my pre-med pre uh, prerequisites. I went through and um, was really preparing to, to go that track, but through Wellesley, I was able to do an internship at the Department of Health and Human Services the summer before my senior year. And there, um, I was in one of the assistant secretary's offices and got to sit in on multiple hearings um, in the Senate and go to all sorts of different um, events throughout throughout Washington DC and through that I realized that I really don't think that I could make the the biggest difference um, by being a physician rather I might look at the field of law and especially being a philosophy major as well I realized that I, I had sort of put these blinders on running towards my goal of being a physician and realized that my skill set um, would actually probably be better suited to something more in the public sphere and not necessarily directly patient facing. So didn't want to make a big decision, didn't want to jump directly into law school. Um, so I decided to work for a big law firm because um, really I'd, I'd never heard anything good about attorneys. So <laughs> I didn't really know many. So I figured I needed to do a little due diligence before I ran down that track. Um, and I was lucky enough to get a great position at um, Sherman and Sterling law firm in New York City doing global M&A where I was a business analyst. So getting to take all of those STEM skills um, and apply them in the world of human law rather than studying physical laws. And I'll also here mention that I did consider going into research briefly, um, but honestly, my thumb hurt for four years from all the pipetting and being by myself, I was like, absolutely not. I am not going to do this. And this will become relevant later when I talk about how I found Arcturus. So um, breezing through the two and a half years that I worked in New York, I got this amazing experience there. Um, if you've ever seen this show, Suits, I was the Meghan Markle character. <laughs> Um, and the show is actually shot in front of my building. So that was amazing to get to sort of have this big city experience, especially from somebody originally from due west, South Carolina population around, I think it was a thousand, two thousand maximum. Um, so yeah, I got to have that experience. And then within law and within the mergers and acquisitions field, I got really interested in corporate governance. Um, and so ended up getting a role in the corporate governance office, working for the board of directors of Capital One in Washington, DC, or outside of Washington, DC in McLean, um, moved down there, was applying to law school. And then suddenly when I was working in that type of law, I realized, you know, honestly, I didn't actually want to be an attorney at all. Um, what I really wanted to be was having a seat at the table and I didn't really want to be supporting the board. I wanted to be on the board. Um, and so that's sort of that, that 
interesting journey of realizing um, that law was not right for me. Medicine was not right for me. And so what do you do when you can't be a lawyer, can't be a physician? You turn to business. So I knew that I needed to start looking for MBAs. Um, and I, I knew that I, I needed to kind of reset. Um, I've always wanted to work abroad. And through working at Capital One with the amazing people there and the mission they were working on, I really fell in love with fintech. And so that's how I started thinking about where I wanted to go to business school. I wanted those two two criteria. So I ended up looking at the UK because of the unique um, relationship with the, that the FCA has, the regulator in the UK has with the banking industry here. They're able to bring tech products to market extremely quickly. Um, and so I thought that would be an amazing experience to sort of be able to see that firsthand um, and during Brexit as well. So, which of course sort of got forgotten with the events of 2020. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that, we that thought is Brexit how... was a big deal until the pandemic, Absolutely. Right? Precisely. <laughs> precisely. I know. I remember when the, the clock struck um, during the actual Brexit chain and we were all just sitting there being like, I think we have bigger fish to fry. Um Anyway, so a very long story short is that I went to, I ended up going to Oxford for my MBA, had an amazing experience there. And while I was very set on looking at fintech, I also wanted to learn more about the entrepreneurship sphere. And I happened to be at Oxford at the, during the first year of launching their um, site of Creative Destruction Lab, which is a series of incubator accelerators at business schools around the world. And this year's theme was, or that year's theme was artificial intelligence. And I had worked as a chief of staff after working for the board of directors at Capital One for um, a group that was called Card.ai, which was all about the analytics and infrastructure and applications of machine learning, artificial intelligence, and data science within Capital One's credit card products. So I had been exposed to that. I thought, okay, this is, you know, sort of familiar territory um, and wanted to sort of learn more about what, what it took to, to start a business firsthand. So I ended up being a strategy consultant within the incubator um, and got assigned to Arcturus. And Arcturus is founded by two absolutely amazing um, PhD students from Oxford, one of whom is an oncologist who had a background um, as a medical doctor. The other is a medicinal chemist, um, or excuse me, biological chemist. And so he, they both were really set on changing the way that um, science is done, especially in the field of drug discovery. And so when initially I was chatting with them, um, they're explaining what they were interested in. I was like, I'm absolutely aligned with the mission, but how are you doing it? And they basically said, look, labs have not changed in the last 100 years. And we're kind of at this point where we have so much tech, so much automation, there's so much going on. Like how, why don't we have sort of the lab of the future that's been promised? Um, and at the time I was taking innovation strategy with a really great professor, um, Mark Ventresca at the business school, who encouraged us to sort of look at various business models through different frameworks. And as I was working and just sort of helping out with sort of run the mill strategy consulting um, projects for Arcturus, I started thinking big picture, like this is this is the stepping stone to getting rid of that thumb pain that you're feeling for years and years and years as a brilliant scientist. Like why, why do we have some of our greatest minds spending seven to eight hours a day in a lab? 
pipetting when they could be just analyzing that data and moving so much more quickly. Um, and frankly, the robotics are better pipetters. So <laughs> there's it's sort of a win-win. Um, so throughout the summer, I kept working with them. I sent them my papers, my strategy papers, and just am so keen and committed to what they were doing um, that eventually they ended up offering me this position as head of strategy. So I've now been there for um, going on a little over a year. And yeah, just am enjoying watching and getting to contribute to this mission on a daily basis, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a pretty cool story. I want to back up and talk about liberal arts education. Yeah, sure. Because, Love to talk about you know, um, obviously STEM is really important and the economy seems to be, to a degree, driven by STEM now. And, it, and so for... Yeah. I have a 16-year-old daughter thinking about going to college, all those things. And, of course, everybody's going to tell her you should do STEM, and she's plenty good at everything. But I I think there's still – I mean, I believe there is value in a broader education and that we should not ex ignore all the other things that non-STEM subjects – and focus solely on the technology. I think that's a recipe for disaster. So STEM, very important, broad education. Um, now I'm just on a soapbox, right? But <laughs> obviously it worked out for you, um, not just worked out, but it w was your interest and you have um, taken it all with you. It wasn't just something, oh, I did that in college, done, right? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm not the person to ask because I'm just going to be clapping in the audience of your soapbox and, of course, encouraging your daughter to go to Wellesley as well. Um, because on, on multiple fronts. <laughs> we'll get back fronts, to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm like... <laughs> um, but, but very, very seriously, there are, there are a couple of things I would say to that. I think one and something I do a lot of mentorship um, of young people both at, at Wellesley as well as at Oxford now um, because I do think we're at a point where people especially because of the hype and the buzzwords that you hear surrounding STEM people just act like it's a magic wand that you can just wave you know oh yeah just write some code or oh yeah put it in blockchain you know I mean I say that working at an automated drug discovery lab leveraging blockchain AI and machine learning so <laughs> I, I, I completely understand but like you say the thing is is yes the tech exists it's all out there but what do we do with it um, and I think people just get really hung up on this idea of okay yeah you can learn all of these things but how do you use it and that where where my job comes in um, a great deal is this sort of idea of what is the strategy because you can take these things in so many different directions but if you can't creatively problem solve one is that like tech tech is often very straightforward like you're just telling you know you're designing something you're making it work but if you can't have the, the bigger picture understanding of how that product is going to be used or who the user is or how how you can scale it like there's so many questions that frankly yeah it may not be a direct line from taking you know English in concert with all of your other classes but there's so many things that inform 
how you decide decide to contribute to your teams um, to communicate being able to be an effective communicator whether internally if you're working in a company in a hospital in any given location and that's one of those just amazing benefits that you get through both the study and, and nature of the classroom in liberal, art, liberal arts um, that you can't really quite get if you're solely in in the weeds on um, all of those STEM, the STEM disciplines. There are different ways to do it. Like I've been, I've been interested in seeing how the UK system works, where students have to decide and commit to one, ostensibly a major, and only study that the whole time. But at the same time, their university systems are set up such that you have a certain amount of time outside of the classroom to develop those skills. Um, so there, there are benefits in both directions, but I would say to anyone thinking about, you know, their college decision is really think about how how you can get the the biggest tool set and toolkit, um, because we, we also live in the sad reality where your college degree is probably not going to be your only degree. Um, and I like to remind people that there there is there is always graduate school, um, and that you want to be able to be successful and able to to follow your passion but you may not know what your passion is like I didn't realize that my one of my greatest passions is corporate governance like how would I ever have learned yes. that um, you know in high school or college it took working in the industry and sort of the strange serendipitous events that led to me being there and even have that world kind of opened up so um, that's what I would say about liberal arts education right I mean the number of 17 year olds that know what they want to do like and are, make the right choice is Precisely. small my roommate um from college who's still one of my best friends you know he was an engineer all the way from I, we wow. were high school buddies too and um and i always compared myself to him because i'm like wandering all over the place there was no podcasting when i graduated from undergrad <laughs> when i graduated from grad school and long after that but anyway um so there's that. But the other thing I, you said was interesting. So I'll tell people now, well, this podcast is going to come out in 2022. I'm going to broaden the scope to things like AI, blockchain, and how they're used. So I love hearing what you're saying. But even blockchain, one of the things, and I know this much so far, on the Ethereum network, you know, smart contracts, for example, mm-hmm. they sort of take the human element out of it because it's all automated on the blockchain. But someone had to think of what goes into there. And you have to think very carefully because you can't change it, right? Precisely. So absolutely, those rules need to be well thought out um, and thus the case for thinking beyond STEM. Absolutely. And I think I think that's the thing is that we especially when you're young and you're only ever really exposed to school, even even if you I think I mean, people who work while doing their education have a huge advantage because they kind of get out of this sort of academic blinders mode um, because I think that is the danger of some of some of these um, 
disciplines is that you just can solely think about what has been done, but you're not thinking about what's going to be done next. And so you need this whole sort of transitory toolkit to be able to say, okay, like I'm, I'm able to even go through change. It's sort of like personal change management of saying, okay, I used to, in the case of your friend, the engineer, right? Like you do, even in engineering, which seems so straightforward, you say, okay, I'm going to build this or build that or create these things. But if you, if that needs to be changed, I think people have a really hard time in general with doing that. And there, there is a place for people who do change management. Like that's the thing is you wouldn't even think about that in, in the world, but that's like a massive industry in itself. Like how many kids that grow up unless they have a parent or a, or someone in their, their world has consulting experience. Like why would you think, Oh gosh, you know what I really want to be is a, like transaction advisory consultant, you know? Yeah. Um, and similarly, like you just mentioned, right? Like blockchain, AI, all of these things, like they haven't really been mainstream and up until the last few years. And so pretty much everybody who's able to take advantage of those opportunities weren't being taught that in school. And so I think that's the other thing too, is having a sort of learning mindset throughout your life to be able to, because it, it's scary. Like I, initially, especially even working in some of these, especially regulated industries, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, this change is coming and I don't know. And that's the amazing thing too about living in the internet age is that you're able to get your rigorous education while also being able to explore and, and learning how to have a creative way of thinking about those things can, can lead to massive opportunities. Right. And you better learn how to learn now because by the <laughs> time you're 30, there's going to be stuff happening that you, that couldn't have even imagined when you were in school. I mean, your right. college education will go obsolete faster than it ever has and only faster and faster. Right. And so you, you got to keep up. <laughs> Absolutely. And that that's that's the biggest Sorry piece of for advice. the bad news. <laughs> no, I totally get it. 